Good evening, Patriots. And it's September 19th, Monday, in the year 2022. East Coast, you just hit Tuesday. It's always that thing. Like I told you, I had a lot of different perspectives when I was on the East Coast doing this show at midnight. I was like, oh my goodness. This is still late. West Coast guys, us West Coast guys. See, this would be 9 o'clock normally on the West Coast, which is a pretty chill time. Central time, where I'm at right now, because I'm not quite back yet. It's um, 11, which is still pretty late. So, anyway, it's all good, though. Happy to be here. Patriots, before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. And with that, make sure you're getting the best products you can can for a good night's sleep. And those come from MyPillow. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation's landing page where you find the best products out there for sleep. This includes pillows, sheets, mattresses, comforters, mattress toppers, the whole thing. And there's nothing there in my pillow that you will not absolutely love. On top of it, we know that Mike Lindell is America's great patriot, continues to be attacked by the FBI and others for standing up for what's right and true. In the latest, if you didn't hear, the FBI seized his phone over the weekend. Just nonsense, constantly going on nonsense of trying to harass great Americans. And Mike Lindell has literally spent tens of millions of dollars to try to establish the truth in this election that is just wrought with fraud, the the same thing the FBI is trying to protect, which is the fraud. So every dollar you spend at MyPillow helps fund Mike Lindell's efforts for this nation and That's one of the great benefits is it's a consumer direct company. He's cut out all the middlemen. He didn't start that way, but he's done that. As they've tried to destroy his company, he's gone right to us and said, hey, look, here's who I am. Here's the products at a great price and a great discount. And those great discounts are had through using great promo codes like BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. So it's great products, great company, great cause. Real simple. MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS, promo code BARDS. You won't be disappointed with anything you get. They also have great towel sets, by the way. Just awesome. And their service is super. So, again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. And if you want to speak to a Patriot Pillow counselor, dial 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and they'll get you hooked up. A win-win all the way around. You know, a lot of the reflection I've had over the last month or so on the road is just really observing who we are and asking the question of who we are as a nation. And we are in a very difficult time of identity as a nation because a a batch of people, which I'll call the remnant, is very actively aware that we as a nation are nothing without first defining ourselves as a nation under God. And then there's a mass of people. There's a a good solid group of people that don't really identify it that way. They just see it as a United States of America. And then there's another element that's just recklessly, ruthlessly anti-God, anti-everything, hatred for anything that has to do with God and hatred for anything that has to do with this nation. This nation was started by a small group of people, a group of founding fathers 
that had the courage to come together and ask the hard questions. They had the courage to present the truth and challenge themselves to face the truth. One of those truths was that we had to have a revolution to separate from England. These are the same founding fathers that pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor on a declaration of independence, knowing damn well the minute they signed that thing, they were marked for death by the king. And they did it because they understood that the efforts that they were trying to pursue were greater and more dear than anything this life could deliver. We're in a time right now we need patriots like that again. And I'm starting tonight out by just asking everyone that's listening to take a pause and search yourself and really ask yourself what your wealth, your fortunes, your life are worth. Because if we lose this, you're going to be facing a perpetual life of attack, repression, exploitation, subjugation. I could give a list of adjectives from a government that wants to do nothing more than destroy you and destroy this nation and ensure that there is no possible way now or any time in the future that there will ever again be a republic a United States, a United Republic. And you have to understand how important that is to these elites. They could not stop us in the beginning because we were armed to the teeth. They've had a hard time stopping us because of our freedom of speech. And the one thing that always bites them is our, rela- our relationship with God and the fact that it's a nation, we were one nation under God. And for many years we believed it We lived it. We worshiped it. Today, we're not like that. Today, we have parents who are more obsessed with the way their fellow parents see them, that they're willing to have their children's nuts cut off or have their girls, young girls' breasts cut off at age five or six or seven. They're willing to destroy a child's future because they want to believe in the groupthink that Gender is a choice, and the children at age five, six, seven know what they need for the rest of their lives. These parents are criminals, and they're terrorists to the state and terrorists to the principles of what we stand for in this country, and they will have to face justice. We are a nation where burning cities down is seen as a normal way of expressing your political beliefs, but having a rally that supports President Trump is considered a terroristic type protest. They're afraid of any group. They fear any group that seizes power, that puts God first above all things. So in this moment here of reflection, as you're listening to this, ask yourself, As you look around, wherever your house is, wherever your home is, whether it's however humble or grand, I don't care. It has nothing to do with any of this. What has to do is where you are as a patriot. And are you a patriot of God? Or are you just a patriot by 
by name and title. Because we know very well that material things bind us to this world. And the material things hold us back in our relationship with our Father. I mean, that's one of the outcomes or morals, if you will, of, of the parable of the young rich man. Where Christ gives him a choice, a profound moment where Christ gives him a choice to follow him with the disciples. And the young rich man can't sell and give away his things. And therefore turns down what is ultimately the greatest opportunity he will ever receive in lifetimes uncounted. To walk as a disciple with Jesus. Because he couldn't let go of his material things. We're seeing a lot of that right now across our nation. Obviously not necessarily walking with Jesus. But in the value and priority of things, people are looking to what do they need to do to preserve what they have. And ensure that they're going to be okay and safe with their material things. At least they think. And not give everything into this fight. We're at a turning point. And it's a very significant moment in our history where we as the people are going to decide the future of this nation. And I am not going to be one of those that gets it determined when the historians look back and say, oh yeah, that dude, he just gave it away. That generation, they gave it away. They could have stopped it so easily. And they didn't. And the question that will puzzle people for generations, if, if not forever, is how did a country so well-armed, so gifted, so powered, empowered with the, with the tools of these founding documents, how did it allow a few people that were noisy and vocally threatening from a distance without even using force, how did they let those people take control and seize control and destroy a nation. I'm still trying to put my head around this one. How do we get to where we are right now so quickly? In part it is because Americans, and we're all partly guilty here, we're trying to be too polite. We're trying to be too cautious. We're trying to be too careful about, oh my, I shouldn't say this, or oh, the sheriff's here, I need to be careful, I don't want to offend him, or I don't want him to come and threaten me with arrest. Just like paying taxes. I don't want the IRS at my door. I don't want to have to pay an extra penalty on my money. And yet all that money that we pay them, they use to fight us. So it's time that we really get real about what this fight is about. And this fight is about whether God's going to continue to have a home here in this land and whether we are going to continue to be one nation under God or whether we're going to step back and let evil seize control. And I, 
I know that there'll be people that'll say, yes, but God will win. Yeah, he sure will. That doesn't mean we will. All you have to do is read scriptures and know that the stories that are there of the lands that turned their back on God ended up paying a penalty and a price for that. We are literally in the valley of decision and nations shall be judged. And right now, we're in that choice. It's that judgment moment of where will we go and what direction will we lead. Individually, it may feel like we have no power. But that's just it, is that we have tremendous power. Because we're not individuals. Each one of us walks with Jesus. And as a remnant collection of a remnant, we're a collective of a fellowship of people that are all putting our prayers and our focus towards the same thing. But we have to be determined on that. And we have to live that and breathe that and walk that out everywhere we go. And it has to be uncompromising in the way we do things. And we have to live that out in every aspect and every moment of our life. So I'm just going to point out a few things that I do and, and uh, uh, some things that I've witnessed others do that are part of that, that don't take an action of defiant protest but they take an action of, they take the form of an action of strength. One of those that I've told you about on a daily basis, and I make sure and do this everywhere I go, is to always wish somebody God bless or blessings at the very least in every engagement I have without hesitation. And it is amazing how transformational that can be. When people literally hear those words and are now given something positive in their day, and I don't say that from meekness or weakness, I say this from strength, to literally say it boldly, I don't care how many people are around, and let them hear it, let other people hear it, and let them feel the strength that I have when I say it with Christ. That's one little tiny little weapon in this war that we can be doing every single day, no matter where you are, is to engage somebody with that level of confidence. But we have to have the confidence as if we are in having dominion over all evil when we say it. You can't be hesitant about this. You can't doubt that that's a reality. We have dominion over evil. And the question is, do you believe it? I believe it. I don't even hesitate. You're absolutely, absolutely 100% I believe it. The devil could be knocking at my door and I would tell him to leave because I have dominion over him. I have dominion over all evil that he presents. That is how strong we have to be in our faith. We have to be looking at everything that we have, everything that we are, from the power of the blessing that God gives us. And we have to continue to be those powerful stewards of what we are for God's gifts to us. Nothing that we have is ours. This land is ours to steward. Unfortunately, we've taken it as if it's ours. Your vehicle, your clothes, your shoes, the food you eat, the house that you have, 
it's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's. And when it's given to us, no matter how humble or how, or how big, it is a gift that God's given us to steward and to use to its best ability to honor him in everything that we do. And when we take things like that every day and we respect things like that, our life literally transforms as an extension of him in everything that we do. And it is witnessed by others. That's part of us taking dominion over evil. These are just basic elements in our life that I think that they slip with the way that our faith has been taught for so long. Our faith being taught through the principles of pulpit ministry and, and pew receivership. And sadly, those two things lead to a very certain outcome. A pulpit tells people how to worship. The the pew throws money in the pot as a response to being told how to worship. And everybody goes on their merry way till maybe, if you're lucky, Wednesday, where you get a little bit of a reboost and a re-energizer. And then definitely till next Sunday when once again you return and you're going to seek some sort of salvation for your sins. That's not living with Christ. That's a fake narrative. Living, breathing, walking with Christ is an accountable moment in everything that we do. It's a constant dialogue. It's acknowledging the beauty, the moments. It's having the conversations with God on the spot. It's acknowledging when we screw up. It's repenting right there. It's not waiting until next Sunday, but knowing that when we repent, what we're doing is restoring ourselves to the throne. It's this constant walk together with God and us. And we always have Jesus there with us. It's the most amazing thing. But we have to get to that place where it's that active, that strong, that beautiful. And when we're living that intently and that intensely with Father, We become those gleaming lights, literally that lamp on the hill that people start to seek and wonder what's there. Look, I'm speaking this as also witness of of it myself. Because, you know, as I've traveled around this country, I've been, I make a pretty regular point of stopping at truck stops because they're the easiest places to get refueled, use the services if you need to, and get a coffee or, or whatever I get at the time. And there's always a lot of people. And so it's an opportunity to everywhere you go, no matter who you encounter, to greet with a smile, and some, and, but walking with Jesus. I enter those places every time. It's Jesus, let's go for a walk. Let's see what's going on. And it's amazing how many smiles you get, how much good attitude you get. Someone can tell me, and someone did say say to me at the beginning of this, they're like, oh, you're hearing the South. I've traveled now across this entire nation, coast to coast. I've traveled from north to south. I've traveled all the way up the eastern seaboard. I've traveled into the northeast, which is, it's its own dynamic of crazy. I have traveled across the Midwest And I've had the same experience everywhere I go. 
And it's not me. It's Jesus. Because Jesus is right there because I've asked him to be there. I've asked him to join me. I've asked him to be part of this with me. I've asked him to walk this with me. And he is. And he's walking it with me, through me, as part of me. That's part of us taking dominion, having the confidence in the midst of this. It's part of us turning discipleship into a living, breathing experience into everything we do. And when we do, you don't have any idea what a simple contact with somebody could lead to. It may not even be words. But as we touch somebody and that experience they have, coming close to somebody who truly carries that light, that power of Jesus, because we've asked Jesus to be with us, because we believe Jesus is with us, because we trust Jesus is with us, because we've accepted what he's told us, that we shall have dominion over all evil, that we will do greater works than he. We have to start believing more in who we really are. And that's part of us taking back this nation. Right now, there's so many people out there trying to figure out, what am I going to do? I'm alone. What am I going to do? This world is too big for me. And I won't kid you, it hits every one of us at one point or another. True confession. I mean, it, it, when you sit back and look at it, this is a pretty daunting fight right now. We don't have any good resources working on our side. If you listen to the Trump rally in, in Youngstown, even the ending of it makes you just want to put your head in the wall because it was just a detailed list of all the disasters and failures that our nation has become. But that should tell us all one thing. Individually, we are nothing. Standing with Christ and through Christ to the Father, we are a mighty army, a remnant. And if we do that fearlessly, commanding and demanding dominion over all evil, there's no stopping us. Let me give you some other pointers, other thoughts, not pointers, but other thoughts. I know somebody that carries little crosses with them. And they make a point of tipping in cash so that wherever they go, and sometimes it's just at a convenience store, sometimes it's at a, at a restaurant, they'll clip a little cross on that money, that little bit of extra money, and they'll give that to them and they'll tell them, God bless you. I have witnessed the power of that. It's not just the money. People don't care. I've seen this happen in even this same person left a note for one of the people that was cleaning their motel room. And I witnessed the power of that as the, the cleaning lady picked it up and just, she just, I, I, matter of fact, I heard her in the hallway. It was just like, oh my gosh. These are just beautiful moments of taking a time to write a simple note, to write simple words, just to say things like, Jesus loves you. Father's waiting for you. And yeah, there's a little tip. 
Who cares? That's part of sharing God's wealth and God's kingdom. That's part of paying forward. What about just sitting in a restaurant and seeing somebody across the way and and just randomly buying their meal? These are things that when we do them, we're starting to reclaim the power that God wants us in this world. We worry so much about ourselves. We worry so much about what our bill is going to be or that bill. You know, Patriots, I've gone this entire trip. I have not looked at my bank account. So I did today for the first time. I just trusted that God would take care of it. And he has. Like always, I just smile. I'm like, Father, I don't know how you do it, but thank you. And it's not like I didn't budget before I left. I did. But I haven't worried about a thing. And this trip has been like that. And I've made a point of sharing where I can. And, you know, one of the biggest gifts I got back on this trip was so unexpected. I'm still kind of stunned by it, to be honest with you. Because it was almost like an angel coming out of nowhere. And I mean this. I was in Michigan somewhere late at night on the turnpike, which I hate the turnpikes. I pulled off to get gas. I was tired. Went in, filled up the the Jeep. Went in to uh, check on something. All they had were the porta-potties, no real toilets, which I, oh, I just can't stand those things. It's grossed me out. But anyway. So I come out and... I'm heading back over to the Jeep and I see this woman leave the convenience store and she's walking right towards me and she walks right up to me on her way to her vehicle, but made a point of cutting over towards me. And she just says out of the blue, God bless you and bless your travels. (laughs) I just stood there stunned. I'm like, that's the first time I've had that happen to me. And it was so amazing. And I'm like, wow, God, what a great gift. A reminder of what we can do to each other. Because I do it all the time. But to have it done to me, given to me as that gift, I realized again just how powerful that moment is. We have such power to transform this world. We, I'll tell you what, you get with guys, guys love to talk guns and war and shooting people and revolution and buckle up and get ready and bunker up and all your other nonsense. And to a degree, it is nonsense. It's guy talk. Okay. Because men are men. And I don't know what women do. I'm not one. I made a point of not being one and I'm never switching my gender. So don't ask me what women do because I don't know. I can guess, but I wouldn't be giving you a fair assessment. But I'm telling you what guys do because I know what guys do. But here's the thing. Those are normal and, and righteous discussions. Let me put it like that. Because men do feel the need to step up into a state of war. At least good men do. And there's some good men on this channel and there's some good men out here in the world. And they're willing to speak the words like, we need to prepare for war. They're willing to say the things like, we're in a revolution and it may take 
It may draw blood, but we'll be there. We'll, we'll stand in the gap. Those, that's not anything but just straight, good, righteous talk. But what we cannot never forget in all of this is the foundation of what I'm talking about tonight is all of what, all of that can only be done as long as we continue to have this amazing grace that we give to one another as a reminder of the true power of the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit wields both life and death. We never like to talk about that other part. We talk about the mighty grace and glory of the sword of spirit of love. Yes, but it equally can take life. And this is the profound power that we're given by God that we don't even acknowledge. I don't think there's a church in this nation that would tell you that. They try to tell you that you know these were what Jesus did and then there's nothing out there that, that we are just basically, whatever Jesus did is what he did, those were his miracles and then we just must, be, we are unworthy. That's kind of the normal Christian narrative. But that's not true because that's not what is said. For we will do greater works than he. That's a profound, profound statement. And again, it comes down to, do we believe it? Do we believe in this? And here's what it leads to and why it gets so complicated is because we get to a place like we are right now and people start pleading to God and they say, God, where's our justice? God, where are you? God, why aren't you helping us? God, God, God. And I'm, I can assume fairly confidently, the father's response is probably something like this. Why are you pleading to me? I gave you dominion over all evil. What more do we want? That's the part that is so stunning to me. And it's always the same thing as we want others to fix for us. We constantly are looking for someone else to fix it for us. If it's President Trump, okay, Trump's going to fix it. But Trump didn't make the problem. In fact, I would argue, and I've seen it in him before, and I'm really serious. Wherever President Trump is right now, to a certain degree, is our own fault because we have not prayed for him to be a strong, repenting president. We prayed for him to be a president that fixed stuff for us. And I will guarantee you, if I was a leader, after a while, I'd be rolling my eyes going, here we go again. Whatever. Because in his own business nature, he does not have that attitude of wanting of people. He doesn't accept people expecting others to fix stuff for them. He expects people to be doers. We have to be doers. And that changes the dynamic constantly because when we are trying to seek out someone like Trump to fix it for us, that's just idolatry. And when we're pleading to Father, we're like, fix it, fix it, fix it. And he's like, uh, yeah, um, hey, dude, y'all down there, I gave you dominion. What else do you want? And we're not acknowledging it. What is it that we expect? I mean, what, what is it that we really expect here? We expect the, the army of angels to come down. And I made this comment to you a few, last week at least, and I think the week before. But 
And I'm sincerely sharing something very sincere from my heart that was put on my heart by God. There There are tears and rage in heaven. Tears and rage in heaven. Tears for the sorrow of watching humanity turn its back on God. Tears for the sacrifices that are being made daily on a spiritual realm for us and rage in how hard they're working and how much we have been given and yet we are doing nothing. All we continually do is put up our hands and ask for more. God sacrificed his son for us. God's given us dominion over evil. He's told us we can do greater works than he. Man, I can't think of three greater gifts than that. Oh, and by the way, with that, we accept Christ in our heart. We transform ourselves through him. We're reborn. And in the process, we get life everlasting. Pretty good package. And it doesn't cost you a cent. It costs only one thing, a true and absolute selfless trust in Christ and through Christ to the Father. And that means walking with that at all times. So here we are, which is if we sit back and I want everybody now just to take a breath Just kind of open your mind a minute and just listen to this picture that I'm painting. We are the princes and we are the royalty of the world. And here we are. And now let's look across this world as the royalty of this world. And what do we see? We see a handful of dark and evil people that have persuaded millions underneath them to give up their free will to turn their back on father to destroy children to abort children to kill each other in wars to hate each other over race and color and politics to hate each other over the idea that One took a vax and one didn't. But those that took the vax worship a pharmacy rather than they worship Father themselves for healing. We see parents willfully destroying children. And we see this whole mass of people walking blindly forward, all worried about one common thing. How am I going to save my material crap that I've accumulated in this world, which I can't take with me? And here we are as the royalty of the world, the ones that have dominion over all this evil, the ones that can do greater works than he. We can be healing those people. And yet, we're not. Instead, Father, please help us. Father, please come and get us. Father, tell us when it's going to be over. Father, when is there going to be justice? 
how are we supposed to grow into our royal inheritance if we keep acting like pensioned children? How are we to really grow into that full body of Christ if we keep looking to him and father to fix the mess that we keep making? If you're a parent or if you've parented or if you have good memories of a parent, hopefully one of those fits you. Would your parents have allowed you to constantly make messes and not be accountable to clean them up? At a certain point when a bully gets too big and you've fought all the way you can for the bully, sometimes a bigger brother has to step in. I get that. I've had to do that myself for my own brother. But let me tell you another story. And this should be us. There's a friend of my dad's. His name was Jake Avey. He had two boys. It's when I grew up. His youngest boy was about six years old at the time. Jake was a boxer and he taught his boys how to box. So his youngest was out at the park playing. And one of the bigger kids, he was about 12 or 13 years old, which is pretty big comparison when you're six to about a 12 year old took the basketball and mocked him wasn't going to let him have it back so Jake's son came up to him and he said I need my basketball back and the kid laughed at him and held it right in front of his face he said what are you going to do about it this six-year-old boy turned around and punched that 12 year old kid in the solar plexus so damn hard he dropped that kid to his knees without breath. And the six-year-old boy picked up the ball and he said, thanks for the basketball. And he walked away. Point made. You see, that's how we need to be. Because when we've fought that way and then if there's a hundred more of those 12-year-olds that come in, and they bring in maybe some 18-year-olds, and we're all out here on the playground, and we're now we're looking at an army of people, and we're all going to fight. That's probably about the time God's going to step in and go, okay, this is enough. I'm leveling the score. These are my kids. They've stood up for everything they can, and now you're trying to outweigh the odds? Watch what happens. But see, we're not there, and yet we keep thinking and asking as if we are. We haven't really fought this fight yet. We've talked this fight. We've, we've laid the foundations to fight this fight. Many have grown food. Many have taken responsibility of taking home churches and homeschooling. These are amazing things and powerful things. It's exactly as we need to be doing. But we have to do more, much more. We have to be able to lead the communities, and we have to be that that six-year-old kid in the communities to show the communities what strength is like. And we're going to be able to do that because we know that we have God with us. We have to be fearless. We have to be bold. We have to be the disciples of Paul and Peter. We have to be able to remember that when they did that, they were skirting Roman soldiers. They were under the threat of death at all times. That's courage. We haven't even got there yet. And yet we keep asking so much of Father. 
so much of him to constantly fix what we created as a problem. So this fight is winnable. And it's winnable with a handful of great people. We don't need an army to come rescuing us from the inner cities. You know, we hear these stories, and maybe they're going to happen or not. I don't know. Because I hear this, that there's going to be all this um, crazy type of fighting coming up in October, and I don't know. I just go, okay, more, more of the same chatter that we've heard for four years. But you know what we never hear? We never hear of the army of pastors that are going to go into the inner cities and disarm through the strength of their faith. We don't hear of the black robes that are willing to take up arms to protect the communities and expand the kingdom. We have to get back to that core belief and understanding that in our faith, there comes a time that you must draw a line. That God is not going to be sitting there, going to do all of our dirty work. That justice does come by our hand because it's sanctioned through the Lord. And when we're dealing with pure evil, there's no negotiating with pure evil. When we're dealing with lost and broken souls, our first effort is to try to save them. But not at the cost of our lives because we foolishly walk in and turn ourselves into somebody's doormat and abuse mat. So there's a balance between turning the other cheek and standing strong and putting a show of force to understand that you will not intimidate me. That I, while I wield the sword of the spirit, I still carry a sword of steel on my hip for good reason. We can interpret many different ways, but what happens in the garden is important because Peter draws the sword and cuts off the ear of the servant. Christ doesn't rebuke Peter. But he heals the ear because it's a different world he's trying to show we can build. And it's powerful because that's greater works than he. We can heal and disarm. But the reminder of that is Peter was armed. As I've said many times, and I know this always gets people's feathers in a ruffle, and I'm going to say it again. Unless you have used a sword... And unless you have trained with a sword, you do not appreciate what happened in that moment. Peter knew how to use a sword, and he knew how to use it very well, because you don't accidentally, clumsily draw a blade and accidentally, clumsily cut off a guy's ear. Know how to use your weapons. Know how to be martial in your faith. Know how to be strong in the sword of the spirit. You're not weak. God didn't make us weak. He made us bold. It's just that he gave us tools that we've forgotten how to access. But as we learn again and trust in him how to access, that means doing over and over and practicing and disciplining ourselves like any other martial art, martial skill. We reclaim the glory of the sword of the spirit. We reclaim the glory of the royal blood. And we rise up above all of this to lead the many as must be led. Let us pray. Father, 
this evening as we come to you. We just pray tonight that you can just bless all that are listening with just the reminder of the glory of the gifts that you've given us. Yes, they're there in scripture, but just to give that encouragement where people often doubt or hesitate, question whether they can, question whether they can heal, question whether they can do greater works than he, question whether they can have true dominion over evil, and yet it's said. So Father, tonight we just ask that you'll touch the hearts of the many to empower them, to open their eyes, to open that wisdom that sits within us that we may remember who we really are. Guide us in these times and protect us. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. One last thing, patriots. And we don't say this, we don't talk about this enough. But it's interesting in all the weapons of war that we carry and we talk about and you'll hear people talk about. There's one no one ever mentions. And I do it this, I do it just as well. And yet I will tell you this, I am carrying one in the Jeep on this trip. How many people carry a shofar with them wherever they travel, whether it's across town and how many people blow it? This is a weapon of war. We know it is. And if we're going to start truly waging spiritual war, then we need to start carrying at least a spiritual weapon of war and using it. Not randomly, but intentionally. It's very important. So, some food for thought. Because we are in, first and foremost, a spiritual war. We need to kit up and arm up accordingly. So, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. <clears throat> Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest depth. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Just one.